0: Good words. Well, it's great to see you here. I always enjoy, and you're like, why don't I sit up front because I want to stand in the back, see all who's here, and spend a few minutes praying for you before I get up here. And uh, what a what a wonderful Sunday group. There's still a lot of our folks on vacations and traveling, and uh, but boy, this is just wonderful to see you all here. So thanks for coming, and uh, the visitors I met this morning, I, might have missed, I hope I didn't miss any, but Uh, If you're here for the first time and I met a couple folks, God bless you. Trust that you'll be blessed by the service this morning. I'm going to be going to Revelation chapter 10 in just a moment, but there's a principle that I've tried to live by, and I'll simply say it's never deny the obvious. If you take your Bibles, before we go to Revelation, let's go to uh, Romans chapter 13, Romans 13. And, like many of you, this week has been, if you watch the news, and I know some of you on purpose stay away from it, uh, but if you watch the news, you see what's been going on around the world, what's happened with uh, our servicemen in Afghanistan. There's been, of course, a heavy-duty reaction to this, including myself. And I want to take us back to Romans 13 and put the biblical principle into this issue. We're seeing so many things taking place, which is why, again, on Wednesday nights, I do what's called Prophecy Focus Global Update. Uh, Josh and I, he was that little kid that did the solo up here a few minutes ago uh, with the young folks. Uh, We we do an hour from 7 to 8 p.m. We go through current events in Bible prophecy, how they relate. And uh, I certainly encourage you to be here, folks. It's it's unusual times. Things are happening at a rapid pace that are pointing to the return of Christ, and uh, things like we saw and are seeing with our with our governmental leaders, and the first reaction that most of us have. Now, let me make it clear. And those watching on on stream today, I am a Christian. There's no ifs ands or buts about it. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I live on biblical principles. Second thing is, if you are a, a Bible-believing Christian, you tend to do what we call be a, a strong conservative, which I am, uh, and you say, "Well, you're talking from that from a political stream." No, I'm talking that from a biblical conservative, biblical world view. And when we look at this in Romans chapter 13, and we see the things that are taking place it's very easy to have very negative reactions towards what's taking place. Now, again, I'm going to read the passage, we're going to just spend a minute or two on this, but I, I feel it's the right thing to do, and it's never deny the obvious. Uh, every one of us has been talking about these things, whether at home or amongst ourselves, And it's something that at least we need to spend a couple minutes on, remind ourselves what is God's biblical principles when it comes to these issues we're facing right now in our country. Romans 13, verse 1, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister. Isn't that an interesting word that God puts in there? The governing authorities, even though they may be pagan, even though they may be anti-God, even though they may be uh, totally against biblical principles, God's stating that these individuals still are minister. And the, the word there literally means, uh, has the same exact meaning as a person like me standing up here. Very interesting. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. This is an absolute, it's like, well, are we talking about church? Are we talking about pastors? Are we talking about preachers here? He says, no, you're paying taxes. Folks, you don't pay taxes at church. You pay taxes to the government. So he's putting it absolutely the context. We know exactly what he's talking about. For verse 6 For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they, God's ministers, attending continually this very thing. Render therefore to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And you say, Well, what's, what's, what's the point? Because when God makes it very clear that the people that are placed in government, He allows to be there. And you say, well, Brother Rich, if, if, what about if the, the governmental leaders are totally against everything we believe in? God puts leaders in place to accomplish his will. Now, you say, well, God's w- how can uh, uh, some of the things that we're seeing right now be God's will? Well, let me remind you that God has used pagan leadership all throughout history. God used Pharaoh. God used others that were absolutely, positively, had nothing to do with God's way. But God said, listen, I put leaders in place at certain times to accomplish my will. So God makes it very clear, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Now, you say, well, there's certain times when uh, even the uh, apostles and so forth went against the government as far as preaching the gospel. Absolutely, they did. But here's the issue. I want to remind us, As God-fearing individuals, I don't have to agree with everything that's taking place, and I don't agree with everything that's taking place. And that is also why you have a voice, and you say, well, what's my voice? Well, whether you believe in the voting system still or not, it still exists. We'll see how it pans out in the future. But we do have a voice. We need to use it appropriately. And may I encourage all of us, yes, take a firm stand on your beliefs. Nothing wrong with that. But I will not, uh, based on this attack, if you will, the actual leaders. I believe it's not a biblical principles. Will we fight for what's right? Will we push what we encourage others, if you will, from a biblical standpoint to do? Of course. But uh, it's very difficult because, boy, this stuff gets very emotional, and it's very hard to control it and, uh, if you will, to respond in a positive way. I encourage all of us as you review these things, first of all, for the families of the uh, marines that were killed, for those that were severely injured, for those whose lives will never be the same, I definitely encourage you to uphold those folks in prayer, those that are made public, to encourage them through cards, letters, and so forth. And that is what God has called us to do. So, again, I'm not saying throw your uh, stance away by no means. What I'm saying is we need to maintain our testimony as God's people. And when we deal with these things, let's deal with them in in a righteous way where our principles are made known, but we do it if you will. The Bible says to do what? To speak the truth in what? Love. So let's be cautious on that. Again, I can get very strong myself. And it's like okay, uh, but when you get strong, what happens to the opposition? They just dismiss you, right? So let's think about that. Let's pray for those that are in uh, governmental leaders. Let's keep faithful to witness to those in office. You say, well, I can't get to them. Well, you've got cards, you've got letters, you've got emails, you've got phones. Uh, I encourage us. Let's not be the silent uh, Christians, but let's keep out there, let's keep faithful, let's keep encouraging those to do the right thing let's share the gospel, folks we will never ever, if I stood up here today and preached a 45 minute sermon on why I hate X never went to the gospel pulpit about I hate this I hate that you know what would change? nothing, absolutely nothing you see the only thing that changes hearts is the gospel of Christ that's it, there's nothing else and I've made this statement, and those of you that know me from, and the visitors may not, and so forth, but I was in uh, law enforcement, I was actually the sheriff of Milwaukee County for a couple of years, and folks, I've always said this, and I said it while I was in office, government does not change the heart, only God can change the heart. And I made that public, I put it on the media constantly, why? Because there is nothing else except God that can change the heart. So if you uh, don't like what you're seeing, let's pray that God changes hearts. If God determines that he's going to put someone else in office, so be it. If not, then God put him there. You say, how do you know that? Romans 13. So despite of what's taking place, God will use the pagan. He'll use the uh, God-hater to accomplish his will. So let's be faithful to pray for those in public office. Let's pray for our military uh, uh, personnel, our police and fire. You say, well, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get off on a tangent here. You say, well, are you for defunding the police? Absolutely not. Are you for anarchy in the streets? Absolutely not. Are you for anarchy in Afghanistan? Absolutely not. Are you for God's people doing everything they can to share the gospel with others because it's the only thing that can change hearts? Yes, I, I endorse that. So let's let's stay by bi- stay biblical again. Nothing wrong with having convictions. Nothing wrong with stating your position. Nothing wrong with voicing something that you believe was improper. But uh, let's stay faithful to God's word. Stay strong, uh, but stay biblical and uh, always speak the truth in love. Father, I pray now that as we move into Revelation in just a moment, Father, these are tough times. We've all seen the things in the news. We've all been disturbed by them. And uh, Lord, I pray, I pray for President Biden right now. Lord, would you please, those that are, uh, if you will, his advisors, those that are uh, uh, potentially pushing him to do things. Lord, we just ask, Lord, please uh, that you preserve our country. We ask that uh, whether it's through President Biden or others or whoever else might be in Congress, the Senate, so forth, that, Lord, that you would please direct these people in a proper way. Father, preserve our nation, please. Preserve the ability, we pray, we beg you, Lord, that we may still experience religious freedom. Lord, we may not deserve it. So, Lord, I ask that you'd, if you will, as Daniel prayed in Daniel 9, Lord, forgive our sins, forgive us for not standing firm at times. So, Lord, would you help all of us as your people to love you more than we've ever loved you before, to share the gospel like we've never shared it before, to love people like we've never loved them before. And, Father, up, you've told us again, you've given us the formula to the Jewish people that if we'd humble ourselves, that if we'd seek your face, that if we'd pray, and that if we'd turn from our wicked ways, that you would hear from heaven, that you would heal our land, And, Father, we ask that. Father, please move in our hearts. Help us to have a revival. We do not know when you're going to return. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to say, well, it's too late. No, I don't believe it's too late, Lord. So, please help us to go in the right direction, and we'll give the praise, the honor, and the glory. Now, Father, I pray that you bless the message to come. I pray that you'd stir our hearts as we once again open the only book that you've ever given us to read the precious Bible. I pray that those things which you've told us that will come in the prophetic future will stir our hearts once again to tell others the greatest news ever given to mankind, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles. Let's go to Revelation chapter 10. We're going to be speaking about the seven thunder judgments. Now that's a very interesting passage. It's one that quite frankly, seems to get skipped over by uh, uh, most preachers and teachers. We've talked about it a few times uh, in introducing this in the past. So we've gone through quite a bit of the book of Revelation now, and we're seeing things that are going to come. And folks, may I say this? If you think it's bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to be as close to catastrophe on earth that you can possibly imagine in the prophetic future. Now we're not talking about what's going to happen today. We're talking about things that God has written in his word way back in approximately 90 A.D. when the Apostle John was given this information. Now we've seen the first three chapters of Revelation have come and uh, basically we're in the midst of uh, chapters 2 and 3, the letters to the churches Across Asia, when they were written in, again about A.D. 90, by the Apostle John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But now, from chapter four all the way through chapter 22, God is telling us about things that are yet to come. Now, if you've been coming to these messages over the last several weeks and months, what you should be seeing now is Revelation is really as there's so many people that say, ah, "I can't understand it." I think it actually should be coming fairly simplified for you. We're looking at the basic things that God said will take place, and it's it's very straightforward. So it's, it's not this mysterious book that we can't know, but God makes these things very clear. And again, well, the thing we're going to talk about today is not going to be so clear. You say, well, that's an oxymoron. We'll stick by. We'll see how that goes. Let me ask you a question. Are you frustrated when you do not know the answer to a question. Now, if God himself says, I'm going to talk about seven thunder judgments, and you're like, all right, we've talked about the seal judgments, we talked about the trumpet judgments, bam, now we're going to hear about the thunder judgments, and God says, you know, I'm going to have seven thunder judgments, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. And you're like... Whoa, that's not fair! I want to know what it's saying. Have you ever had somebody say, "Listen, I got a, I, I got a secret," and it's like, what's the first thing when somebody says they got a secret? What do you want to know? What's the secret? You know, let it loose. Tell me what you're talking about. And, and uh, uh, my kids used to do that on occasion, and, and they and they come up and they they say, uh, "Daddy, I got a secret," and I'm like, "Okay, I got to I got to do some uh, I got to do some investigative work here." And, uh, and boy, sometimes they were good. I mean, it was hard to get it out of them. And uh, uh, I usually broke them. I, I know I was a cop for a lot of years. And uh, <laughs> not always. And uh, hey, but, but what's it? You know, they got the secret. And why are they telling you they got a secret? Because what do they want to do? They want to tell you. But they got to work for it. Uh, but God says, listen, I got a secret. There's something that's coming in the future. And I'm not going to tell you today. Why do you think God keeps certain divine truths a secret? He's like, he puts this out there, there's going to be seven thunder judgments. I'm not going to tell you. The apostle Paul, we know that he went, uh, we believe he went to heaven, and he goes up there and he comes back and he says, wow, it was, I'm not going to tell you. It's like, well, Paul, what did you see up there? And he's like, "Mm, you know, if I told you, I can't tell you. You're like, well, why can't you tell you? Because, you know, and, and this is, this the only thing I can figure out, why didn't God allow Paul to tell us what he saw in heaven? Because I think all of us would be too much in a hurry to get there. You know, it, you look at what's going on, you look at toughness, you look at hard times, it's like, man, if we knew it was up there, we'd all figure out a way to get there. And that God says, no, I need you down here. By the way, how does God get his work done? Yes, indeed, it's through us. God has chosen us to be his what? Ambassadors. You know, why Why didn't God just come down here and do everything himself, make himself visible? And he says, no, it's not, not my plan. God's plan is to use the folks in this room to get his will accomplished, and that's wonderful. I'm an ambassador. Uh, if you saw in the news recently, Mayor Barrett's been, uh, I believe he's going to be appointed to go uh, out to the, um, I forget what the, Luxembourg, I think it is, uh, out there in the German area, and uh, he'll be an ambassador for uh, the president, and when he goes there, he'll represent the United States, he'll represent President Biden, and it's a big deal. And, and, and we look at him, most ambassadors, and we're like, wow, that's, you know, that's an impressive position that uh, the government gives to somebody. And God says, well, guess what? Did you look in the mirror this morning? Guess what? You're my ambassador, and uh, it's a pretty important position, so keep that in mind. All right, well, let's get into it. This morning we're going to examine five biblical truths regarding the yet unrevealed thunder judgments. So let's go to Revelation chapter 10, and we'll start out. And I'll read several verses, and then we'll start to, if you will, go through them verse by verse. Revelation 10, verse 1, the Apostle John said, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, several thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be Delay no longer. We'll talk about that. But in the days of the, of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he was about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. All right, so let's start to tear this apart see what God is trying to reveal here. So we're, we're in the midst of the book of Revelation. We've had multiple things take place. God has been using angels to deliver the messages which we're going to be going through. So this particular messenger, this particular angel, again, the Greek word there is angelos. It means messenger. It means one who has a message to deliver, and specifically in this case, we're talking about angels themselves, spirit beings that God created. So this messenger was clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. This is an awe-inspiring picture. God is trying to get us to see the importance of these thunder judgments. Sorry, I woke a couple of you up. And uh, 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 these are thunders. What happens when the thunder comes? Boy, it gets your attention. You see the lightning strike and then what comes next? Boom! The big giant blast. It's to get your uh, attention. And that's exactly what he's doing here. Well, let's understand a little bit about this. He has a rainbow on his head. What is the rainbow? Well, go back to Genesis chapter 9 and verse 13. And God said after the Noahic flood, after he destroyed all but eight human beings, hundreds and thousands of individuals, hundreds and thousands of animals, all because of the horrible sin and the violence that... The what? Oh yeah, the violence that was on the earth. God said, enough! And he destroyed everything. But then he says, listen, hang on. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 13, God said, I set my what? My rainbow in the cloud. And it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. Okay, so we have a rainstorm. Some of you, the first thing you're going to do, as soon as it starts to clear out, as soon as the rain, and it might still be raining a little bit, you look up and there in the clouds you see the rainbow. Why is this associated with rain? Because it's the rain that killed the hundreds and thousands of people and animals. And God allowed the the rain to come down and to fill the earth. And the uh, many of you and a few people were talking to me this morning about, hey, have you been to Noah's Ark uh, down in uh, Kentucky, uh, wherever that is down there? And I'm like, yeah, I saw it. It's amazing. And I encourage everybody to go if you've not seen it. Uh, and, and, and the rainbow is there. God said, I put the rainbow in the sky. Because, yes, I destroyed all of humanity at one point except for eight souls and a a few of all the animals. And I want to remind you, I'm not going to do that again. So it shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. So when you see the rains coming, when all of a sudden the basement's filling up with water and the rivers are overflowing and the and the, the water gets high and uh, you get nervous and it's like, what's going on? And God says, don't worry. Uh, yeah, it's not good. I'm, uh, I'm watering the land right now, but I'll never take everybody again like I did. And the rainbow reminds us of God's covenant with his people and it's a beautiful covenant it's a beautiful thing uh, that God uses to describe his grace and his love for his people. Verse 2 he had a little book that was open in his hand. So God's got this uh, 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 or, or the angel if you will he's got this little book open in his hand and now this little book has got some important information that God's going to tell us about. So uh, what happens? He puts his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. So what is God portraying here? And again, what we're talking about, especially for those that are new, the book of Revelation, uh, I think 99% of you should know it, comes from the Greek word what? Apocalypse. All right, I got about 20%, but we'll work on the 90. And uh, about 20% got it, but I know the rest, most of you know it. Uh, but bottom line, the word means the book of Revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypsis. What does that mean? It's talking about apocalyptic literature. That's the style. What does that mean? It means God is writing in symbolic terms to present a biblical truth. So what is the biblical truth? Well, uh, the concept is the angel is symbolically, he's got his foot on the sea, his foot on the earth, and what is he saying? on the land. He's, I'm covering everything that he's going to be talking about impacts the entire world. Sometimes uh, we get a little myopic when we're reading Revelation, and we think, well, this just must be talking about Israel. or This just must be talking about the Jewish people. And God says, no, this is the world situation. These judgments will impact the entire world world. That's the importance of that statement. And now it says he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. Now again, we go back to the first century, we have other ways of being much, much louder today, but back in the first century, what was a, uh, and I've had the privilege, I've been in Africa, and maybe if you've not been to Africa, you might be to a zoo and get lucky when a a lion decides to uh, make a roar, and uh, I mean, you can be out in the middle of uh, the desert, if you will, and all of a sudden, miles away, you hear this lion just roaring and just gets your attention, and by the way, most of, why does the lion get our attention? Because if you go up by that little beautiful kitty, what's he going to do to you? It's dinner time, right? So it's a, a massive roar. It gets uh, uh, their attention, and God says, Listen, I'm, I'm roaring. I'm making it well known that judgment is coming. That's the voice of the lion, if you will. When he cried out seven thunders uttered their voices. Now you're like, well, wait a minute. How can a thunder talk? Again, God is using apocalyptic, symbolic uh, style writing to tell you when these thunders happen, when the lion roars, these are going to be harsh judgments. Now, let's go through what we've been through. We've got to do a quick review so this makes some sense. In Revelation chapter 6, we talked about the seven seal judgments which happen in the first part of the tribulation. Now, you say, well, when is that? Okay, and again, we always have new folks, so very quickly, here's God's prophetic timeline. It's found in Daniel 9, verse 24 to 27. The prophetic timeline is this. Daniel 9, 26, it talked about uh, the last prophetic events for the coming of Jesus Christ to be crucified. By the way, the date is literally given. If uh, there's a message out there we did recently, uh, it's on uh, sermonaudio.com. It should be on our website, myugbc.com. UGBC, my Uh, Actually, I did a a small tribute to Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, so it's Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, Sorrow Not, and we talk about the um, scripture's most compelling argument for what's known as the pre-tribulation rapture. So, here's the the timeline. Daniel 9.26 told us exactly when Christ will be crucified. The dating is actually given, but we're not going to go into that. That's a whole other message. The second thing in Daniel 9.26 that was prophesied was the destruction of the second Jewish temple. That was prophesied by Daniel back in 500-plus B.C. Jesus prophesied it in Matthew 24, 2, and God fulfilled it in A.D. 70 when the Romans came in and destroyed the Second Temple. The next major event on God's prophetic calendar is what you are living in today called the Church Age. It it resides between Daniel 9.26 and Daniel 9.27. The next major event on God's prophetic calendar is what's known as the rapture, removal of the church-age saints. Most of you are very familiar with these verses now, 1 Corinthians 4, 13-18, 1 Corinthians 15, 50-54, where God makes it very clear that there's one generation, and I hope it's ours, where Jesus said uh, he's coming in the air to take us home. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air and the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It happens in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 1 Corinthians 15. Shortly after that, the Antichrist comes on the scene, as we've discussed, Daniel 9.27, and he confirms a covenant, a peace treaty with whom? The Jewish people, Israel itself, Israel has not had peace since the fall back in AD 70. You say, well, wait a minute, in 1948, the Jews became, uh, the Israel became a state again. Yes, it did, but they possessed one-tenth of the land that God said they would get from Genesis 12:15 15, and uh, uh, Deuteronomy 31 to 5. They possess one-tenth. 50% of the Jewish people have returned back to Israel, meaning another 50% must come back. God is setting the stage now for what will take place after the rapture when all the Jewish people will be restored to Israel, Ezekiel chapter 37. And then these judgments, the seven seal judgments, will begin after those events. So rapture, covenant with Israel with the Antichrist, and then the sealed judgments. Now, just as a very quick review, we're not going to go through them. Here's the seven judgments that we discussed back in Revelation 6. We talked about the coming of the Antichrist. We talked about men slaying each other, extreme violence upon the earth. There'll be extreme famine. Folks, it won't be like today where you can uh, uh, still have some semblance of an economy. The economy will be completely gone. Food will be at a premium. People will be dying by the tens of thousands the, uh, uh, if you will, the rich, the poor, and the middle class, everybody's going to be devastated by what will be taking place according to Revelation 6. God also tells us then that one-fourth of all people, not one-fourth of Israel, not one-fourth of the Jewish people, one-fourth of all people will die. Then it talks about uh, the, the fifth seal, that people will come to Christ during that time, but in all likelihood they will be martyred. You say, well, how are they going to come to Christ if the church has been raptured we're up in heaven? How is he going to get the gospel out? Well, we talked about it in Revelation 7 a few weeks ago that he's going to call 144,000 young male Jewish virgin evangelists that will go out and preach the gospel. Then we also uh, will talk about it uh, uh, um, next week, actually, Revelation 11. We'll look at the two witnesses that God will call that will also be involved in worldwide evangelism. Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 states that the entire world will hear the gospel during that seven year tribulation period. So God's got a lot of evangelists, little video at work. The unfortunate thing is every single person, I shouldn't say every single person, the majority of all people that come to Christ during the tribulation will be martyred, Revelation 13. This will be a one world Dictator, the Antichrist, with a one world government. That's why we talk about global prophecy every Wednesday night. One world government, one world religion, one world economy. All talked about in Revelation 13. You say, Brother Rich, are you trying to scare me? Folks, that happens after we're gone, but God, there's nothing to prevent God from allowing these things to start while we're here either. It's just going to be absolute. When the Antichrist takes power in Revelation 13, there's no escaping it. You say, well, what does that mean to me? Well, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you go to heaven when you die, this is not for you. If you've not trusted Christ, if you're still waffling in your mind about, is Jesus Christ truly the only way to heaven, then I advise you to please pay attention for the next 20 minutes because all this is speaking directly to you. Revelation chapter 6 will be catastrophic changes to the land the Bible tells us at the end of Revelation 6 that the kings, the powerful men, the armies, all the uh, uh, everybody will be uh, uh, experiencing a horrible earthquake and every single person even the mighty men will be hiding out and screaming in fear saying hide us from the wrath of the Lamb the wrath of God, it is coming Seal number seven encompassed all the seven trumpet judgments, which we've also been to. So we have the seal judgments during that first three and a half years. Again, there's some debate as to when the trumpet judgments start. We know definitely that they'll be somewhere either towards the end of the uh, first half or coming through the first part of the last three and a half years. And the trumpet judgments we've already gone through, we finished them up last week, Catastrophic land and water disasters, we call them the one-third judgments. A third of the seas destroyed, a third of the rivers and springs are contaminated. A third of the sun, moon, and stars will be darkened. Five months of horrible stinging to all those that aren't sealed by God. The only ones that we know are sealed by God. God stated that the 144,000 Jewish evangelists will be sealed. Potentially, this is speaking also of uh, those that come to Christ during that time, but five months of horrible stings. If you were here last week, God said this, men will seek death but will not find it. God said, those that refuse to come to me, I will torture for those five months with horrible demonic locust stings, and it will last for five months. Months. People will go up, try to kill themselves, jump off the home bridge, the high-rise bridge, try and shoot themselves, cut their wrists, whatever it might be, and they will not be allowed to die. By the way, do not attempt that today. We're not in the tribulation period. If you do any of those things, you will die. So don't do it. Then, after one-third of humanity is destroyed, one-third, you say, wait a minute, one-fourth of the people across the world, seal number four, died. I always like to do this. 7.3 billion people in the world today. God says one-fourth of the people will die in that first half of the tribulation. Now we go to uh, the trumpet judgments. Now we've got 100%. We're down to uh, we have three-fourths of the people left. Now he says what? He's going to take another third, that leaves 50% of all the world's population, over 3.8 billion people, if the statistics stay the same, will die. Folks, can you imagine walking out the horrible death, the stench, the pestilence, the, the vermin, the horrible things that will take place? Folks, America, the world cannot handle that amount of death at one time. It's going to be a horrific, horrible times. Now God all of a sudden stops. And he said, hold on. Before I introduce the next set of judgments, the seal bowl judgments, I got something else I want to throw in there, basically what God says. I'm going to throw in what's called the seven thunder judgments. Now wait a minute, 50% of the world's population has already been destroyed maybe much larger. Those were only two of the judgments that amounted to 50% of the world's population being destroyed. And God says now we're going to go to uh, the thunder judgments. Now by the way, when we get to the bold judgments, they're the most catastrophic things that will take place. God is now opening up and he's saying listen, Christian, those of you that are here today, why did God reveal these things to us? Why didn't he just say, listen, I'll bring this out after the rapture, and we'll let those... You know why he did that? Because God wants us to be motivated to work for him while we're here on this earth. You see, yes, it's uh, to depart and to be with Christ is far better. Paul said that. We know that. But God said, listen, I get my work done through who? People. I get my work done through you. And God said, I can't have you going up to heaven right now until it's your appointed time. By the way, anybody ever hear that verse, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment? It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. By the way, it's an appointment. It's like, well, if I would have done this, and if I were, I get so many people that get so upset and they're like, well, if we would have done this, maybe my loved one wouldn't have passed away. Or if I would have done that, maybe my... Folks, it's an appointment. It's appointed. When God says it's time, it's time. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, my good friend and mentor, and I've been in touch with the family who are going through tough, tough times, and it's like, well, maybe if we... There's no maybe. For whatever reason, God said, Doc, come on up. 80 years old, you fought the good fight for 80 years, you're coming home and uh, no matter who you are no matter what your spiritual life is it's like man if only there's no only God says it's appointed do you know when your appointment is you don't know do you maybe it's today maybe it's tomorrow maybe it's 20, 50, 100 years I don't know but if you're to die right now boy when we talk about these things and we look at what's coming in the world and it's like it's time to wake up it's time to wake up, and God says, this stuff's for real, and we kind of gradually walk through life in a status quo, complacent attitude so many times, and life just kind of goes, and then all of a sudden, bam, catastrophe hits, and the thunder goes off, and our lives are wrecked and ruined Someone passes away. Someone gets catastrophically sick. A horrible accident takes place. Someone's life is all as 13 families from Marines whose lives are absolutely turned on their side today and all of a sudden all the spiritual things begin to flood our minds that we've been complacent about and it's like I can't believe what we're going through. I can't believe this happened to my spouse. I can't believe this happened to my child. I can't believe this is happening to me and all of a sudden what happens? We put on the spiritual cap and it's like instead of walking through life in this Whatever, life is good. We all get it's like, oh boy. May I advise us to wake up before that happens? May I advise us uh, from the scriptures to understand why did God reveal these things a thousand years ago that haven't happened yet? Because God wants us to understand His plan and take it dead seriously, pun intended. So, we're not going to get too much into this, but basically we've looked at this a couple of times. God opened up the seven trumpet judgments, which we just looked at, and then he says this, I have three woes. The fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet judgments, and the, trumpet ju- or the thunder judgments have to fit right between tr- uh, uh, trumpet number six and seven according to the scriptures. That's bad stuff. And God is making it very clear. If you think it was bad, in the seal judgments, if you think it was bad in the first four uh, uh, trumpet judgments, we're now looking at absolutely horrible, catastrophic results. We've talked about this over and over again, but once again, I've got to bring it to pass. Mom goes into labor. Oh. A few minutes later, maybe half an hour later at the start. Oh, man. Honey, it's time. Call the doc. And a maybe, and it all depends, and of course every lady's different, but when you get closer and closer to the delivery of the birth, ah, ah, ah and it gets close and closer, and the, and the contractions become stronger, and they're closer together. And God says as we get closer and closer to the second coming of Christ, these judgments will increase in intensity and speed. What else does he say? He says, Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard the voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write. I'm going to give you some good news. Hey, and I'm going to give you some bad news. Which would you like? Well, here's the good news. The good news is there's going to be horrible judgments but you got a chance of surviving. You want to know what the bad news is? Horrible judgments are coming, and you have a minimal chance, if any, of surviving. That's what he's saying here. It is catastrophic what's coming. You say, well, why are you telling us this? We came to church today because we're hurting. We came to church today because we have family issues. We came today because we're trying to find peace and solace and the love of God. How can you preach on these things? And God says, you know all those things that are coming? I don't want you to go through them. I don't want you to go through one of these. You want to hear some good news, folks? Every single thing we're talking about, the seven thunder judgments that will be horrible, much more intense than what we saw in the seal and trumpet judgments. And God says, I want you to use your imagination here. I want you to think, if you've seen uh, 50% of the world's population die in these things, how much worse is it going to get when the thunders roar? God says, I want you to avoid that, my friend. I want you to trust in Jesus. I want you to realize that Jesus loves you more than anything else on this earth. I want you to know that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want you to understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that anybody, whosoever will believe in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And God says, I love you this morning. I love you this morning. I love you this morning. I want you to be close to me. I don't want you to go through this. Daddy looks out and he says, Rich, I want you to be careful when you're driving out there. I liked hot rods, you all know that. I want you to slow it down out there. I want you to be careful. If you're not, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You're going to get yourself hurt. I'm like, ah, Dad, it's okay. And he's like, no. And Dad comes down hard and he's like, listen, You know, you crack that car up. You get yourself in trouble. That'll be the end of that. Dad puts a little fear of God in you. (laughs) Bam, it registers. The father is trying to protect his children. But you got to become his child first. You see, when you're born, God says you're born with a sin nature. And the older and older we get, that sin nature doesn't go away. And God says, I need you to come to me so I can forgive you that sin nature so that you can go to heaven when you die. And you can avoid all these things. Revelation ten five: The angel whom I saw standing on the scene on the land raised up his hand to, head, hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. God's saying, listen now, We've gotten through the thund- uh, the the uh, um we'll get it trumpet judgments and now I'm telling you when these thunder judgments sound the seventh trumpet will blow. We haven't had the seventh trumpet yet. The seventh trumpet will introduce the last seven judgment the bold judgments. So God is saying when you see these thunder judgments which I'm keeping secret right now, but the people that are alive during that time will certainly know it. He says, when that happens, it's bam, we're going to move forward, and we're going to move forward rapidly. So again, we go from the seals to the trumpets. We put the thunders at the bottom, shooting up, right between the the sixth and seventh trumpet. The seven thunders will sound after the seventh thunder is done. We go into the last set of judgments known as the bull or vile judgments. Revelation, again, and in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, he's talking about the angel announcing the seventh trumpet. When he's about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. What does he mean? The mystery won't be a mystery any longer. The thunders will have been uttered. God's word will be known to all those living at that time. So I went to the angel and said to him, he's got this little book, and he said, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter. But it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. So God says, listen, I've got this little book. And inside of it is God's word. It's got the seven thunders in it. I want you to take the little book and I want you to eat it. And God's word is so sweet. Do you ever realize that? You want to have a little sweetness in the morning? Hmm eat a little bit of the Word of God. If you want to have some sweetness in the afternoon, mm, eat a little bit of the Word of God. And at night, before you go to bed, God, ah, it's sweet. And God says, unfortunately, though, this word which is sweet, uh, as you read it, will have bitter, bitter results. And the seven thunders will have horrible consequences. And it will be, if you will, to make one sick to their stomach with what is sweet coming and I'm not going to tell you today what it is. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth but when I had eaten it my stomach became bitter and he said to me you must prophesy again John about many peoples, nations tongues and kings. Now John says I'm coming to a close on this part of the chapter. I've told you that there's going to be seven horrible judgments that will be coming. But, John, you've got some work to do. Christian, you've got some work to do. And he says, listen, folks, here's the job. I need you to get out there, John. I need you to uh, talk about the many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. What is he talking about? He's talking about worldwide work to reach people for Christ right now. Folks, it's never been more important than it is today. He said, why? Why? We are seeing God setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. The rapture could happen at any moment. And you say, well, why should I care? Who cares? I'm out. Who are you living with? Is your spouse saved? Your children saved? Is your grandma and grandpa saved? Are your aunts and uncles saved? Are your friends saved? Are your workmates saved? Are people you love and care about saved? And God says, Stop! The judgments are coming. I'm going to roar them out throughout this earth. And God says, I need you, folks. I need you. And God lovingly looks at you, and it's like, oh, man, you're, you're trying to lay a guilt trip on me. No, God says, I'm trying to lay a love trip on you for those that we care about. The love of Christ compels us. We've got to do it. What's going to happen at the end of the seven-year tribulation after all these horrible judgments. Why did God do this to the earth? And people constantly ask that, and I constantly answer it the same way. When Jesus Christ, not at the rapture, when he takes his children home, the church home, when Jesus returns to set up his 1,000-year millennial kingdom, Revelation 21 to 7, God will not allow sin on this earth when he comes down. And here's how he comes down. Revelation 19, and the armies of heaven, speaking of the saints that are up there, me and you, Old Testament saints, tribulation saints, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his or Jesus' mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord Of Lords is coming to this earth. And when Jesus Christ, literally, after the seven year tribulation period of purging the earth of all that's offensive, and he comes down and he'll set up his beautiful one thousand year millennial kingdom, and every single one of you who have trusted Jesus Christ will enjoy that. Not all the horrible things of the tribulation, but you'll enjoy absent from the body, present with the Lord, and will be him through eternity. Now that a good thing? So what do we do with that? Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm going down. Folks, what are you going to do with Jesus today? That's the question. Today. What are you going to do with Jesus today? Now, Many of you in this room the majority probably have made a personal decision to trust Christ you've received him as your personal savior and now God says all right ambassadors I watch the news. Mayor Barrett gets appointed as the ambassador to Luxembourg. What does he do? he calls a press conference gets his I'm going to be an ambassador for President Biden. Luxembourg. What an honor. He's thrilled. He wants everybody to know. And God says, listen, Rich, John, Mary, Paul, whoever, I've called you to be my ambassador We don't call a press conference. We don't put it in the newspaper. God says, I need you to be my ambassador. Enough said. And I said nothing. Here's his ambassador. Whoa! Hey! I know the Lord Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. Hey, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about my country No, let me tell you about Jesus. Folks, that's what God's called us to do. You say, Oh man, you know, I just This Well, let's get it out there. That's the that's God's call to his ambassadors. Can we do it? Can we do it? You say, No, I can't. But God says when we're weak, He is what? Strong. All right, I'm weak. It's hard, it's tough. Sometimes And God says, Let's do it. Folks, we need you to do it. We're almost to the end of summer. September's coming. We have a chance. People are going to be back from vacation. There's people that are starting school. There's people that are going through marital problems. There's people that are going through problems with their children and, the, and their high school kids, and their marriages are a wreck. And people are, are looking for truth. They're wandering around trying to figure out, how in the world am I going to get to heaven? How can I be good enough to get to heaven? And God says, listen, ambassadors, we need to go out there and fill this place up. That's our mission, okay? Okay. Let's do it. Finally, if you're here, we've given you what's called the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Most of you in here know that, but there may be one, two, maybe more that are here today. And you say, man, you know, I I don't want to go through all this stuff that you went through. That's horrible. It's catastrophic. And I agree with you. And God says, listen, here's the way out. Because I love you. Here's what I did for you. And Jesus makes it very clear. He did four things for us. Number one, he said, listen, I know that you're a sinner. I know you've sinned. We all sinned. The pastor's a sinner. We've all sinned come short of the glory of God. And God says, because you've sinned, you know, you know folks, if, if this pastor, if this guy got what I deserved, i go to hell forever. That's what I deserve. Revelation 21.8 makes it very clear that there's a lake of fire which all those who detract from God will stay in Forever unquenchable fire forever. You're like, I don't want to believe that. I don't either, but it's true. And God says, here's the good news, though. You ready? And We're almost done. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, went to a cross, died on it, gave his life freely, was buried and three days later rose again from the dead. And he said, why did God do that? Why would God come down and die on a cross? Horrible death. Because he loves you. And he said, listen, you got a huge sin debt, but I paid it all right there. You say, okay, I understand that. Now what do I need to do? Are you ready? Final point. Listen now. This is it. There's something you have to do. Like what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. What do you mean? What I mean is, do you believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, literally came down from heaven? Do you believe that he died for you? Do you believe that he was buried? Do you believe three days later he rose from the dead? Do you believe that that was Jesus Christ, God's Son? You say, I do believe that. And God says, would you receive the gift of eternal life by placing your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you? That's it. It's not through baptism. It's not through the Lord's Supper. It's not through coming to church. It's not through trying to be a good person. God says, I don't care what you've done. Final verse, for by grace, God's free gift are you saved. Through what? Faith. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of our works, lest any person should boast. Christian, are you ready to give your life to the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly? If you're here today, have you ever trusted Christ? Let's get the job done now. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your precious word. I pray now in this final sacred moment that your business would indeed be accomplished. Lord, there's many folks here this morning, many watching and our hearts need to be stirred right now. We need to get in the battle, the battle for Christ, the battle of telling others about the gospel, the battle of loving people, the battle of telling those in Congress, the battle of telling the president, the battle of telling our uh, uh, representatives, the battle of our local politicians, the battle of those that we love and care about in our own families that we have to, to get them the gospel as you've called us to be ambassadors. Lord, would you please help us to get at least one person in mind right now, somebody we can talk to this week, some friend, some neighbor, somebody we work with, and help us to at least at a minimum be kind to them, invite them to church, and if the door opens to share the gospel, who is it in your life? Would you right now think of one, maybe two people this week that you can go to? Would you ask God to help you to go to them? Would you commit to that right now? Would you ask the Lord to help you? Boy, if we'd reach one or two people a person this week, wow, what God could do. Finally, if you're here or watching, have you ever received the free gift of eternal life by placing your faith and trust in Christ? We gave you the gospel. Do you understand that? Are you ready to receive that free gift right now? Say, Brother Rich, I want to be saved from my sin. I want to be saved from hell, and I do want to be with Jesus for eternity. Well, then just tell him. I'm accepting that free gift right now of eternal life. Oh, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve heaven. But this very moment, I'm receiving the free gift of eternal life by my faith and trust in Christ. Let him know what you're thinking right now, and he'll bless you. Father, seal decisions. We give this all to you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' precious name, amen.